This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Hello. Episode 42 of Small Talk coming at you. That was lame, but I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. I'll try and be cooler as this podcast goes on. Just to kind of set the table for you, we will be talking to Tommy Reese, our Game of Thrones correspondent, later in the podcast. If you haven't watched the episode from this week, spoiler alert, we will be breaking it down pretty intensely, so you'll want to skip that portion or just come back and listen after you've checked it out. But before then, we've got some stuff to talk about with our guys, so let's bring them in. Tommy Freeze Pops here in studio with me in St. Louis. Tom, hello. I love the little Fetty Wap shout out you had at the beginning there. Hey, what's up? Hello. I don't remember the name of that song, but I used to jam to that on the way to work. Fetty Wap is sneaky dope. Fetty Wap still slaps. Trap Queen. Oh, Trap Queen. I'm an idiot. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Tom. Let's bring in our third component of the tripod, the executive producer of the Will Kane Show and the producer of the Rosillo Podcast, Steve Cerruti from Bristol. Hello, Steve. What's up? How we doing? What's good? You know what, Steve? Since you are a huge blues guy, we have to start Take here blues. with our boys, with our team. Tom and I are coming off roughly two hours of sleep. <laughs> Double overtime, game seven, Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. last night. It was one of the most unbelievable games I've ever seen. Taking down Will Kane's uh, Dallas Stars. Huh. That's right. Is he is he hurting over this? <laughs> I don't know if he's hurting, but he was talking yesterday about, he's like, I forgot how much I loved hockey. And he's like, it's so great. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like, it's it's awesome. Playoff hockey is really great. You know, I'm a huge Blues fan. Obviously, everybody knows that. Die Obviously. hard. Who are we playing next? I don't even know. Who we got? We're going to find out tonight. We have <laughs> okay, cool, cool. the Sharks and Avs, Game 7. And Steve, uh, you may not know this, but, you know, I'm cheering for the Avs to advance because the Avalanche are owned by Stan Kroenke. Oh, and you just want to take them down? Can you imagine? So the Blues, Steve, in over 50 years have never won the Stanley Cup. A lot of people think that this team is cursed because mm-hmm. the ways that they have lost are just, you can't explain it. It's just heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. So then you have a team on January 2nd who was in last place in the NHL. Last place. We were talking about lose for Hughes. Can the Blues get the number one overall pick? They fire the coach. They bring in Craig Berube as the interim coach. The team turns it around. Then they get to the the playoffs, the postseason. Last night, Game 7, the game-winning goal was scored in double overtime by Pat Maroon, the hometown kid. I mean, it's a story that you just can't write. It just feels different. It feels like this is our year. And to be able to win the Cup for the first time and kick Stan Kroenke's ass on the way there would be the greatest (laughs) thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I am rooting for that just because I want to see you happy, Michelle. I really do. We've chronicled this over many years now of like, I don't think you're fully over the whole Kroenke Rams thing, even though you say you are. Maybe this will finally give you some closure if you can just take him down in a sporting event and then we could all move on from the Michelle, you know, Stan Kroenke hate. You know what will give me closure, Steve? It's going to be twofold. One, when the Blues beat the Avs on the way to winning the Cup. That will give me satisfaction, but Kroenke probably doesn't even know he owns a team and probably doesn't even care. (laughs) But when Stan Kroenke loses this lawsuit that's happening to the city of St. Louis, which he's going to lose and has to pony up Mm. and pay hundreds of millions of dollars back to the city, then I'm done with it. Then we can bury it and move on. Uh, I don't know, though. You you really think you're going to be over it by then? I don't know. Every year that passes. That's a really, really, really deep hurt you have. But every year that passes, I'm a little bit more over it, a little bit more over it. I think this year, just in particular, to have this national media narrative of, oh, the Rams in L.A., this is so great, Sam Kroenke's really done a lot for this team in the city, you're like, spare me. That is not what happened at all. It's like if you dated somebody and they did you wrong, and then they're on The Bachelor saying, yeah, my last relationship didn't work out. It It was her fault. You're like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? Now, you got to think that was a double-edged sword, though, because if you play the Avs, they can also beat you guys, or beat us, because I am obviously a Blues fan. Us. LGB. Um, us. Yeah, LGB. Uh, and listen, that's that could send you into sort of a deep, you know, <laughs> a deep spiral, and I'm worried. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous for that outcome. It's not going to Are the happen. Avs good? I don't know much about the Avs. Well, I mean, they're obviously not the Blues, so let's go. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? They are not the Blues. Correct. Great observation by you. Obviously, they're good. You know, if you're at this point in the tournament, you're pretty good. Uh, I think top to bottom, the Sharks are better. The Avs have better goaltending. But you know what? To get that satisfaction of beating them, the reward 
is worth the risk. The juice is worth the squeeze to me. And and what do you always say, Tom? Scared money doesn't make money. Exactly. Scared money don't make money. Scared money don't make oh, money. And I'm cashing in. I didn't know we were attributing that to Tom. <laughs> Tom has yep. invented that saying. I yeah. made that up. Scared money don't make money. Quote yeah. me on that, please. In case you didn't know, Tom <laughs> with a great quote. So, you know, I'm going into this fully confident. As I'm looking down the gauntlet at the next opponent, I want the abs. You know what? I want the abs, too. Let's go. LGB. <laughs> But you talked about Will saying he forgot how much he likes playoff hockey. Sports Mm -hmm. is great for so many different reasons. The Stanley Cup playoffs are unlike anything in sports. It is the level of intensity in every game in the playoffs. It's unmatched in anything. I'm so physically exhausted, and we're only halfway through this. The Blues have won eight games. They have eight more to go, and I feel like my body has been through a triathlon every day for the past month and a half. St. Louis's last title was what? The Cardinals like 10 years ago? 2011. 2011. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Now it's not 10 years. All right. I mean, you guys are a little bit used to championships, although like would this would would a Blues title mean more than a Cardinals title? At Just this to, stage you know, in the game? Yes, they've never won before. They've never won. And this is a team that has had so many Hall of Famers on it. I mean, you had Brett Hall, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, the list goes on of how many unbelievable players that they've had. They made the playoffs 20-something years in a row, and they never won the Cup. When was Wayne Gretzky a blue? He was uh, on the Blues for like what, eighteen games? For like a year, and then he <laughs> wanted like, to he wanted to come back, and it was his whole big story about how it didn't happen. He actually has a home here in St. Louis. He loves St. Louis. He spends a lot of time here. He with was his at wife, some playoff Janet. games. Yeah. yeah, he's at the playoff games. I mean, uh-huh. it was it's just another notch in the torrid Blues history. Is torrid the right wow. word there? I don't know. I'm <laughs> really no tired. Idea. I'm running out of fumes as well. Yeah, but anyway, so Steve, we're one step closer to you coming to St. Louis for the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, it's, it, I hope it happens. I want to check out the Lou. I want the Blues to win, so let's go. And you know who would be awesome if they played in the Stanley Cup Finals? The Boston Bruins. Oh, oh they're still in it? Great. <laughs> yeah, they're playing the Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference side of the bracket. So, look, I, I, you know, I don't want to be Mr. Boston here because we're celebrating St. Louis today, but I feel very confident about my boys headed into the conference finals, and we'll just see how it plays out. If the Blues make it to the Stanley Cup finals, congratulations to them, but, you know, Boston's not going to have any mercy. I want to see that mostly just because I Michelle's going to be so annoyed with Tom if that happens. (laughs) Tom's going to be annoying. Like Here he is right now. It. You should see him. He's yeah, wearing a BC I'm, I'm hat and a Celtics zip-up today and one of the greatest celebratory you know days in St. Louis sports history. He's you know all what? decked That's in Boston. Point. Is, there, is there any city that, like, reps their their squads, like, as obnoxiously as Boston does? No, not at all. <laughs> You know what's amazing about it, too, is he's here in a Celtics half-zip, and yesterday on the show, he's like, Kyrie, pack your bags, get out. So they rep— Oh, that's the most predictable thing of all time. Predictable yeah, Celtics thing. fans turning on Kyrie. Yeah, but they rep their city and their squad so hard, but on one side of their mouth, they're like, we're the greatest, and then on the other side, they're like, you, we suck, I hate this guy. You can't have it both ways. Oh, so you don't hate players that are on your teams ever? For St. Louis, you've never hated a guy and wanted him to not be on your team? Not if they're in the postseason. I'm cheering oh, okay. for them. Interesting. Huh. That's very interesting. Kyrie, I, I mean, Saruti, where where do you stand on this? Do I have a right to not like Kyrie for the way he is kind of, I don't know, destroyed the mental makeup of the Celtics? I don't think Kyrie has destroyed the mental makeup of the Celtics. I think the Celtics' young guys ha- are equally to blame. If I'm gonna, if we're gonna do some blame pie action here, I'd put it at about fifty-fifty. Well, you know, it's not fifty-fifty because no. Brad Stevens deserves some blame too. But like these guys haven't. They, they all think they're they're the man, right? And they don't. They I don't think they necessarily fit in all season with Kyrie saying, "Hey, no, this is my team. I'm the one that's gonna take the last shots. I'm gonna take thirty shots." Blah 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 blah. You know, he hasn't. But he wasn't great last game, obviously. But the last I mean, three Jason games. Tatum, last time, time I checked, Jason Tatum was averaging what, like five points a game in the series? Like, come on, bro. Yeah, Tatum hasn't looked good this year, but I. Speaking am, of the Lou. Speaking of the Lou. <laughs> I just feel like when a young core makes it to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year and Kyrie Irving comes back from injury and is condescending and talks down to them nonstop for six months. And then now we have a plane ride together and we're like, oh, you know. Oh, all good. We just talked it out. We're fine. It's just not going to happen. Basketball doesn't work like mm-hmm. that. And I feel like Kyrie kind of killed Jason Tatum's confidence. But anyways, oh, you know, we're, we digress. 
I would love for Boston to play St. Louis because it would be fun for this podcast. I would probably not be super homer about it. I'd, I'd tone it back a little bit because I know people in St. Louis, they really want their Blues to win. I would root for the Bruins, but I would love for my St. Louis friends to have some joy and, uh, you know, maybe be able to taste a little champagne out of that Stanley Cup. But I will root for the Bruins. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. St. Louis friends. So has, like, the Bumble friend thing been going really well? (laughs) I was just going to say, and by St. Louis friends, he means me. Yeah. I mean, Michelle. (laughs) I mean, Michelle and Bernie and my man Dave Payne, who works on the show. Nice. The three people I hang out with every day. No, he actually does have some friends. I have introduced him to some people. And the dudes that I've introduced him to love them some Tommy Freeze Pops. Uh, We went to celebrate Cinco de Mayo this past weekend. And after a bunch of beers, I heard them saying to one another, you know what, guys, he is our friend now. We've got to take him (laughs) under our wing. We've got to show him the city. We're going to be texting him a lot. So hopefully they follow through. Yeah, hopefully. Jesus. (laughs) I can't get a win here. But you know what's going to happen, Steve, is he's finally going to crack a friend group, and then the Bruins and Blues are going to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, yep. and he's going to cheer for the Bruins, and they're going to be like, "This guy's out, forget it." <laughs> no, look, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tone it back. Hey, lose I, my number. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to tone it back. Clearly, I don't want to upset people, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little step back here and just you know, I'll quietly root for the Bruins in the corner. Go Bruins! But you know, again, I will be I will be happy for my friends if the Blues win because. That that does suck. It's been a franchise. I mean, that's what the Red Sox were for eighty six years. Yeah. So I get so it. You know, you I get. Know. I mean, granted, I, I grew up in this era of dominance. I mean, it's twenty eight conference mm. championship appearances in the last nineteen years. It's insane. Mm, cool. Um, but as a as a young lad, I knew the Sox as the bridesmaid, never the bride. I knew the Patriots as a crappy franchise until you know a few sporadic years in the nineties there with Bledsoe and Parcells. Um, the Celtics were terrible until the big three came into play. The Bruins were n- really irrelevant until eh, 2008, 2009. So, you know, I, I do know what it's like in, in a weird way. So go blues, I guess. I don't know. I, I, now, now I'm talking in circles here. Now, now you're in my head, Michelle. You are in my head right now. The blues are in your head. Welcome to the bandwagon. All right. So the Stanley Cup playoffs are obviously a very exciting event in the world of sports. And we had a very exciting event today in the world of pop culture and the world of politics, perhaps, in the world of international politics, if you want to call it that. The royal baby made its debut today, his debut today. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's son was born two days ago. They finally revealed him to the world. But I don't know how to feel about this because they revealed the baby to the world, but they won't tell everyone, the press, all of their fans, the baby's name. So I don't know if I should think that's a sick power move to say, here's our kid, we're withholding the name, or if I think it's so annoying and I'm thinking, get over yourselves. I know you're royals, but come on, it's a name. Reveal the name. Oh, wait, don't we have a name now? Do we? Uh-oh, is there breaking I news? We do. Cause I, cause, Did okay, because I just news? Go- well, because I just Googled it because I just wanted to get a little, you know, background information because I, I saw the headlines of and I saw I think I saw you tweeted about it, right? Like why we didn't why we didn't get the name or something yeah. tweeted about it. Anyway, then I was confused as about like why why, you know, are they called the Archduke of whatever? Is its name Sussex? No, no, that's where they're from, Steve. So why That's so, like saying Steve is, of, of Southington. <laughs> but it says baby Sussex. Yeah, so it's he's the Prince of Sussex. So it's like you so would be like him Sir- Baby Sussex for the time being. Yeah. So like you would be Sir Rudy of Southington, and if you and Maddie had a baby and presented it on Twitter, but wouldn't tell the name, you could say Baby Wait, why- Southington. Wait, why wouldn't it be you know Archduke of London? Yeah, I don't, I don't can- know. I have no idea. All how the that nuance. Works. Like, of I've all never of even this. heard of Sussex. <laughs> We're googling now. Sussex doesn't really roll off the tongue. Sussex. I don't like that. Sorry, Sussex. The Duke of... And then where's Edinburgh coming? Duke of Edinburgh. (laughs) Prince Philip. So Sussex is a historic county in southeast England, corresponding roughly in... I'm already bored reading about this. So basically, it's a part (laughs) of England. And that's, I guess, where, since he is not the king and or she's not the queen yet, I guess he would be the king and she... Like, does that make her the queen if she's married to the king, or is she just like the king's plus one? Like, I don't know. Can she be the? Qu- so, I don't. I don't know how this works. So basically, this baby has no power. He's just gonna. 
he is just going to grow up rich and in the yeah, world, he's right? like he, way he can't far actually down the do line. anything. Yeah, because you've got William's son. He's basically the Harry of babies. Yes, right? yes. he's basically his dad. He's he, just he's just useless. He needs some wild shit to happen to be the king of England. <laughs> yeah, okay. we need like a Game of Thrones type battle for yeah, him. Yeah, like to... the Red Wedding, so, right? Yeah. I would be way more interested in that stuff, yeah, if there was, like, actual hatred and family drama, but it just seems like they're kind of boring. Yeah. You know? Out of the second wave of, or I guess, out of the second generation, this baby is far down the line. It would be Prince George, Prince William's son, who would be in direct line to the throne, I believe. Mm. George, weird baby name. That could be dope, though, because then you get, you know, you're famous, but, like, you don't have any responsibilities. You can kind of do whatever you want. Well, think about Harry. You can kind of be... He partied. You can kind of be a screw-up. Yeah, exactly. You can kind of be a screw-up for a little while, you know, figure yourself out, and not actually have any real responsibility to fall back on. That sounds amazing. I'm into that. How do I get that? Yeah, yeah I need that job. Definitely. That is for sure well, the I don't play. think you can apply for it. No, I think you have to be born into it. Or Dang pull a Meghan Do they still Merkel. live in castles or no? Definitely. Yeah, the Queen they live lives in, legit in castles? Kensington Palace. They, yeah, they have various castles. Like the Red Keep. All, yeah, kind of like the Red Keep <laughs> or Winterfell, I guess. Um, yeah, they have castles that they live in all over England because I remember when Meghan Markle and Prince Harry got married, it was a big news story about which castle they chose to live in. It was kind of controversial because it was kind of off the grid. I don't think I'd like to live oh. in a castle. Why not? It seems kind of stuffy no, and weird. I don't know. I, I kind of no. feel like I'd feel out of place the entire time. Like, I could never get used to living yeah, in you a sh- castle. You strike me as new construction kind of guy. Yeah, like, you know, like a nice <laughs> modern home, you know? I picture your house with siding, <laughs> not brick. Yeah, Michelle and I are more mortar, brick, stone For people, sure. you know. Steve and I like You're old definitely architecture. More plastic siding. We, we appreciate definitely. homes with character and with history. Yeah. Yep, uh, yeah, that's exactly. a good, yeah, that's a good point. I don't appreciate history. Throw I would me love a, a throw moat. Throw me in a trailer. Who wouldn't want a good moat? I, like if I could just, Ooh. I may just build a moat around my own house. Like, just what's up? Moats moat. are cool. I will say that. Tom Brady's yeah. house had a moat. Yeah, moats. Moats cool. are badass. I just don't know if I would like them. I wouldn't trust myself. I feel like I'd fall in the moat at some point, like coming home drunk or yeah. something. Well, Maybe there, park there it. There is a bridge, you know. Yeah, over but, the moat. You know why I would like to live in a castle? Because undoubtedly, if you're rich enough to have a castle, your castle has a staff inside, which means I'm not doing mm. any laundry. I'm not cleaning. Mm-hmm. Someone's probably cooking for me. If I'm like, hey, I want some lemons from that lemon tree outside, someone's going to get them for me, cut it up, probably squeeze it in my iced tea. It would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And chances are they're not taking care of that baby. Like, other people are taking care of that baby. Oh, I'm so sure they have 12 is, nannies yeah. around the clock. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, think about that. You're Meghan Markle, okay? You're from America. You marry into the royal family. Sure, it comes with a lot of headaches because you're probably not curtsying the right way. And you have to probably meet with all these advisors all the time on how to follow protocol. And you're getting scrutinized by the British press, which I bet totally sucks. But think about this. You get pregnant. You birth the baby. You're set for life. You know, you have all these nurses caring for your child. You get to hang out with them whenever you want. You don't have a real job. You probably have a chef, a trainer, a wardrobe stylist, hair and makeup. All of this stuff, a driver, you have all these people on staff just tending to you at all times. Why don't people like her again? I forget. I'm doing I'm just doing some reading now. So this is I'm sorry I'm catching up in real time. People don't like her. I'm just finding this out. Is it cause it's cause she's like rough around the edges, right? Like her his, like her family history, people don't like it. Well, or she's something, an American. Right? Right, you know, like she, she's but, an interloper. So ex- I don't think the, yeah, the so British people really love that. Right. Like what they considered. Yeah, but did rough. they love Princess Diana? No, but she was British and came from distinguished heritage. I believe. No, Princess Diana. No, Princess Diana. Princess was American. Princess no. Diana was British, dude. Come on. No, did she was a hundred percent American? I Hold will on. bet you a hundred dollars on this podcast right now. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's why everyone in America she- loved her. No, they no, loved they loved her because she, she was hot. The, the people's princess. Uh, let's see. She was born in Park House, Norfolk. England, United Kingdom, mm. July 1st, 1961. You can Venmo me at any time. <laughs> I'm learning a lot today. I'm not yeah, wow. Lie. This I is thought, a great I, lesson. My entire life, I thought Princess Diana was American. So you story. never heard her speak? Or you thought she was Madonna and pulled a British Of course accent? I never heard her speak. <laughs> Why would I have heard Princess Diana speak? When Princess Diana- <laughs> She died pa- in 90, what? 96? I was seven. 97. Uh, but you don't remember when she passed away all of the stories that were about her watching her speak? I don't remember her dying. Oh, I, I, I mean, do. I know I don't. Yeah. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, it I, was, I mean, wall-to-wall coverage. Wow, my world is shook. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe okay, you thought well, she was American. I, 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 if, I don't pay attention to this stuff. I don't find it interesting. The only thing that I found interesting about the whole thing was 
you know, that they didn't name the baby or they weren't telling people the name of the baby. So we can get back to that if we want, instead of me making myself <laughs> look like an idiot even more. What if you, I know that they probably have to have some sort of royal name that nods to the lineage of that family, but I wish she would come out and say, this is our baby Kanye, or like name yeah. it something so ridiculous and just really stick it to the people of Britain and say, you know what? I'm American. We're doing this my way. This is my kid. We're going to make it weird. Well, didn't they say that like, the name was going to be something that would un- like unite the United States and the UK? Isn't that a thing that people are saying, too? Why is this? I don't understand why the name is so secretive. Like, what's the big deal? That's my whole point. If you're going to debut the baby and show everyone what the baby looks like, say, hey, this is Ricky or whatever. I mean, just. Wow. I don't really Ricky. need two different announcements. It's, it's things like that that I have no time for. I have no tolerance for. Get over yourselves. Announce the baby name when you present the baby to the press. Maybe they didn't pick out a name yet. Well, the baby's two days old. I've known people who like don't pick out, don't have a name right away, and they just like kind of you know let it stew for a little bit. They look at the baby. I would want to look at the baby's face before I named it. That's not necessarily true. It depends on the baby. You really think that you wouldn't f- pick out a name, fall in love with it, and then you would look at your baby's face and say, mm, "Not a Luca." You would be like, "Yeah, this I is think a I Luca. would do that." Although, I, as, as we've discussed before, I I know if I have a daughter what its name will be. But if I have a boy, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a look first and go, hmm, what does this baby look like? <laughs> maybe you'll let the baby <laughs> not choose a Steve. his own name. Yeah, like <laughs> definitely not a, four. Definitely not a Ricky. <laughs> well, that's how you end up with your baby being named Apple. You know, like that. You, you can't let your kids. I actually know. I know a family. Well, I shouldn't say that. I know of a family who l- literally did that. They let their child name their second child. And their last name is Jones, so the kid chose to name it Indiana Jones. You're lying. <laughs> You're lying. I swear to God. I swear to God. That's really kid's cute. His name is Indiana Jones. Is it though? I like it. Would mm. you like to call Indiana Jones na- being named Indiana Jones? You call her Indy. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Even Indy Jones. <laughs> I would have maybe said, okay, middle name. <laughs> I mean, they no, they let it happen. Just giving kids way too much power these days. Like we can't be your kids shouldn't be naming their their siblings. Like because if I had a choice to name my 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 two sisters, like it wouldn't end it. It wouldn't end it well. One of them would have probably been named like Nomar because I was a you know because Nomar was a big deal when I was a kid. The other one would probably would have been named Shaq. So that wouldn't have made any sense. So my two sisters' names would be Nomar and Shaq. I wish that we had a Shaq Saruti in the world. <laughs> I mean, it does flow off the tongue. Shaquille Cerruti. How many kids our age would have named their siblings Barney? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a recipe for disaster, really. And I just uh, stupidity. Anyway. So Indiana Jones is not the worst case scenario there. Well, Indiana is not the worst case scenario, but it's not great because that kid's <laughs> going to get made fun of for the rest of its life. Although, who knows? I also knew a kid growing up whose name, their last name was Stone, so they named him Miles. So it's his name is Miles Stone. Oh, that's dumb. I know. I, I really didn't like that. I don't either. like that. Because then the kid is just going to get made fun of for the rest of his life. That's stupid. Okay, so another thing in the pop culture world that I would love to get your take on is the Met Gala, which is obviously one of the biggest events of the year. It's I don't, I don't even know if you would call it bigger than the Oscars because the Oscars, year by year, based on the films you're in or that you're affiliated with, that's how you get invited. The Met Gala, to me, I don't really know what it is. It just seems like a way for people in the fashion world to say, we're at the cool table. You're not mm-hmm. invited. And we're going to show you how elite and exclusive we are by dressing up in these ridiculous costumes. Yeah, I have no idea what the Met Gala is. Like, what what is the purpose of Same. the dinner? Like, what is it a dinner? I, I just know that there's a red carpet and everyone looks really nice. And Brady and Giselle always have a fire picture that comes from it. And that's that's the extent of what I know about the Met Gala. Okay. I know there's a lot of really good looking people wearing crazy dresses. So here's what it is. It was formerly called the Costume Institute Gala. It's an annual fundraising gala. Is it gala or gala? I said gala. Will pronounces it gala, which I just think if you pronounce it gala, like you are snooty. Yeah. I don't don't want to. I don't want to hear that. It's kind of like vase. It's a vase. Yes, totally. I don't need you to say or aunt. This is my aunt. I say aunt. Do you? I I say aunt. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe that's an East Coast thing. Anyway, fundraising gala for the benefit of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute Gala. So basically they're raising money for they're raising money for the Met for the Costume Institute in New York City. Hmm, okay. That okay. makes sense. I get it. I mean, I'm with Tom. I don't I I'm sitting there watching hoops the other night and all of a sudden like I see all these weird people in my timeline that are just like dressed up like idiots and 
I didn't understand what was going on. I mean, I know what the Met Gala is, but I didn't necessarily know why they have to dress up. Like, why was – I mean, first off, can we just talk about Katy Perry? Could she go away? Like, I'm, I'm just over her altogether. Like, I, if I never, ever heard another Katy Perry song or saw her again, like, I'd be totally cool with that. She was a what? A cheeseburger? A che- that well, was her first, costume? she was a chandelier. Did you <laughs> see like, that one? Get out of here. Like, she walked her, the like, red carpet as a chandelier. I didn't see – so she had two costumes, which is two. even worse. Like, yeah. come on. And I saw her take off the hamburger in the bathroom, and you're like, "What are what are like What are you doing?" She seems like the type of person that hasn't really handled fame well, right? Like she got really, yeah, but, really famous, know, and then got really, really weird. I can't really get over that video of her where she's like awkwardly dancing and really makes all white people look bad. Yeah, pretty because, bad. Yeah, it was. It's the most uncom. If you haven't seen it, it's the most uncomfortable thing I think I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really bad. It it's really really bad. And ever since then, and I'm in her music, and, blah, blah, blah. and then you, you show up to the Met Gala with a cheeseburger, and I'm like, you know what? I could do without you. <laughs> Here's my take on Katy Perry. So w- let's move Dark Horse aside because that Juicy J verse in Dark Horse is exceptional. I look at Katy Perry kind of the same way I look at Taylor Swift. Everyone knows my take on Taylor How Swift. I think you. she's terrible. I think her image is so curated. But more importantly, I think all her songs sound the same, and they're all pretty terrible, and they all pretty much have the same lyrics. I kind of look at Katy Perry songs like that. All of her songs, aside from Dark Horse, are kind of the same. Hmm. I totally disagree. Um, we've had the we. I mean, we we've we've known our disagreement about Taylor Swift for some time now. It's not quite as deep song? as. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm on record. I don't like her new music. I don't at all. Yeah, I yeah. think. But 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 to say that all of, like her her and I'm not even a country fan, but her old music is good. Like I don't. It just is. And I don't like maybe if you you don't listen to all of them, and I'm not gonna pull that card on you. But like, like that she at least like writes her own songs and has yeah, music that, that you can tell that she does and like puts her emotions to it. I feel like Katy Perry is just like a you know she's like a product of pop. Like, you know, she's, she's, you know, the machine of pop music just like pumps out hits for her that like have nothing to do with her. Like the I kissed a girl and I liked it hot and cold. Like these songs are literally just, dumb. they don't, they don't mean literally anything. <laughs> At least Taylor Swift is singing about something that, you know, has impacted her life or relationships and things like that. And you could say she does it too much, but I always respect her for that. Katy Perry. I just, I, I hot and cold. I, I, these songs are all, just, they're just all bad. Waking up in Vegas. Terrible. Yeah, yeah we terrible. get it. You woke up in Vegas. Before I moved to Connecticut, I had a friend who worked for the Blues and would give me tickets to concerts that he didn't want to go to. So I saw Miley Cyrus, Cher, a bunch of great people. And then Katy Perry comes to town and he's like, hey, I have four great seats to Katy Perry. Do you want them? And I was like, yeah, you know, why not? My friends and I will go. It was the weirdest concert I've ever been to. We left halfway through. She was dressed up as a big flower and kind of prancing around. Artsy. Artsy. And she was talking in a baby voice that was really weird. And I remember saying to my friends, she's not only a full-grown adult, she's engaged to Russell Brand. We know you're a freak. Oh, I forgot the about The jig that. is up. Stop trying to pretend you're this little baby and that you're just this nice girl dressed as a flower. You're with Russell Brand. We know what the story here is. Yeah, I'm over it. I can't, I, you know. She, I mean, and I don't know. She wasn't even probably the worst person there. Like, here's another thing that I had an issue with the Met Gala. So I saw this yesterday. People were giving Tom Brady crap for not, like, wearing something stupid when he just wore, like, you know, I think he wore, like, a red sort of, like, maybe, I don't even remember. What yeah, it looked velvet basic. Yeah. yeah, he wore, like, a pretty basic what looked like a tuxedo. He looked, he's a good-looking dude. He, wore, he, was, he, was, he looked clean. Hot guy. Well, meanwhile, you know, you got, and I like Joe Jonas, but Joe Jonas is wearing this, like, weird-looking, like, color palette thing. And Sophie Turner's also, she's got her hair slicked back. She looks like a character out of Lord of the Rings. I'm just like, what? Like, what are we doing right now? Before we get our Game of Thrones correspondent Tommy Reese on the phone, I just want to point one more thing out about the Met Gala. Can we talk about Kim Kardashian's waist? Yeah, what's yeah, going on it was, with that? It, honestly, you, can't, you couldn't look at that and be like, what is happening? I mean, she for sure looks like she got her ribs removed. We've heard that in the dark web. The rumors are out there that she got her lower ribs removed. I think that that <sighs> is a severe possibility after I saw her itty-bitty, non-human-like waist at the Met Gala. Well, let's just say, like, that you're, there's no way, like, biologically that a body would look like that. So, I mean, something had to be done. <laughs> right. Reckless speculation on small talk. Something had Unless, to be done surgically. Uh, uh, I mean, like, I feel like I'm not even going out on a limb saying that. I don't no. like, what are those things called? The Speaking of, like, the arch, you know, duchess or whatever, they used to wear the, it was as a corset, 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 where, like, it just, like, yeah, so... 
maybe that maybe that's it, but that seems like kind of a little bit too medieval for 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 you know 2019. I saw a story about it because I googled it because I'm thinking, okay, something's got to come out. She had a custom made corset with spanks that basically sucked her into that, and she couldn't really move or sit down. Oh my god! I mean. The best part about the whole thing was that Kanye just showed up in like a Dickies bomber and didn't <laughs> yeah. care at all. I know. I know. <laughs> I know that we, the pendulum swings on the love hate for Kanye, but for him to no, show up to, to fashion's biggest night and say, yo, I'm wearing D- Dickies head to toe. All black. <laughs> yeah. I know. I also like shout out to Frank Ocean, who I love, who showed up and he looked like the valet guy. Did you see that? That yeah. guy's that's yeah. a good look. Yeah, but you know, every <laughs> Katy Perry's over here as a chandelier, and Frank Ocean is dressed well, as the valet. So dumb. Honestly, it's a smart move on Brady and Kanye and Frank and Ocean's part because those guys are the people that actually end up standing out. The people that dress like normal human beings. He comes to us from the house of South Bend, Indiana, a warrior on the gridiron, converting over sixty touchdowns in over four years of battle. A two-time bowl champion in his own right. Let us talk Game of Thrones with Notre Dame quarterback coach Sir Tommy Reese. All right, well, as we head down the stretch for the final season of Game of Thrones, we, of course, have to check in with our Game of Thrones correspondent, Tommy Reese. And he joins us from where, Iowa, Tommy? Yeah, I'm in the middle of Iowa. Uh, I pulled off to make sure I got some good cell reception for you guys. But, yeah, it's it's been a long morning, so... I'm excited for this little break. Awesome. Well, let's just dive right in. So this episode, again, kind of a scene setter. I mean, a couple things did happen, but certainly coming off the Battle of Winterfell, where we saw action from start to finish, essentially, a lot of people are kind of panning this, saying this is boring. The season is supposed to be really, really climactic, and we're not getting it. So I want to present it to you guys. Did you even like this episode? I struggled with it. I didn't like it as much as other episodes in the past. And I'm also not going to, like, sit here and bash it because I think, you know, there is a lot of scene setting to do and things to set up. And, and listen, I'm still entertained watching the show. To me, I thought the, the episode was a little surface. You know, like the, the beginning, I really liked the opening scene, you know, the funeral and everyone kind of having, you know, their person or their group that they were saying bye to. You know, I did appreciate that scene, um, but I couldn't stand the party scene. I thought it was very surface. I thought, I think I texted you, Michelle. It reminded me of like a 90s movie, like a high school party movie, where you kind of predict who's going to pair off, who's going to go with who. They were playing like drinking games. It just seemed very surface and not very Game of Thrones for me. I thought the Arya scene with Gendry was really over the top. The, the Jamie scene with the drinking and then, you know, when he chases her down, I just, I didn't like that. I thought it was kind of cringe for the. Yeah, I couldn't even watch those scenes, to be honest. Like, I didn't, like, her, his interaction with Brienne, I just, I couldn't get on board with it. I'm actually glad that he got up and left the next day. I I had enough. They had about four minutes on camera together. I had enough of it. Steve, I don't know what your thoughts are, but the early part of the episode, I really did not like. I'm with you. I do think that this whole season. Endings are really hard, right? And I think a lot of people are expecting crazy things to happen every episode and this to be an absolutely wild season. But what made the show so great for so long was the right unexpected deaths and anything could happen at any moment. But the problem in the in the last season are what I think are two things, right? One is that you have time constraints that are way shorter than, than this probably should have been. I mean, this could have easily been two to three more seasons to literally play all this stuff out if they really wanted to do it. And I think the other issue is that when you're ending a show, you can't just kill off all these characters in, in random ways anymore. Like you need to, it needs to mean something in the end. So I'm still sort of holding out hope that like the, the it'll the end will all sort of make sense. The end will justify the meat at this point. I will not argue with anyone that wants to tell me that this isn't a typical Game of Thrones season because it's not. And I think a lot of you know the characters are making a lot of bad decisions in the name of moving the story along, right? Like, I look at uh, Rhaegal dying, right? Like, did, did they really not see did they really not see the boats around the corner? Like, they were able to shoot those that, that many of those, uh, what are they called, the scorpion arrows? They were mm-hmm. able to shoot three of them without them even seeing it? That seems a little bit unlikely. But I'm willing to overlook it, okay, because they want to kill off a dragon. I think Missandei's death was obviously, a lot of people didn't like that. I actually thought it was really meaningful and, and heartfelt because, you know, sending her off like that, she had gotten captured. I know a lot of people were like, whoa, the timeline, that doesn't make any sense. How did she get from the water to being, you know, at, at the Red Keep with Cersei? Listen, people, like, the timeline is going to move fast. 
fast. Like we don't have a lot of time to tell the story. So I, if you're, if, if people are getting upset about that, like you can be upset about it or you can just sort of watch it and, and, and accept it for the way it is. I, I think there are plenty of issues, Starbucks cups aside, with this season. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, I think I'm, I, 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 I like to, I believe that I trust the writers enough to have the end sort of justify the means of, of moving this thing along a little bit too quickly. Overall, I thought the episode was a snooze. I'm with you, Tommy. You nailed it. The beginning felt like a medieval can't hardly wait. That's exactly the movie I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, her kind of brooding off in the corner like Jennifer Love Hewitt, staring at Jon Snow, who's Mike, you know, the jock hero, and getting jealous and upset. I mean, it was too much. And I know what you're saying, Steve, that you do have to set the table. We can't just have carnage for all final six episodes. But so much of that first part of the episode could have been cut out. You could have just had the mm-hmm. Jon Snow Danny interaction. I don't necessarily think we needed as much of the drinking games as we got. You know, you could have just kind of done one yep. question from Tyrion, the Jamie Brienne interaction. I thought that that was the sneaky best part of the episode because I think Jamie is going to be a crucial figure in yep. the next episode. He obviously wanted to hook up with Brienne. He obviously felt guilty about it and had to get drunk doing it. Sloppy drunk, which I thought was such a bummer. And then when it came down to it, he's like, yo, Cersei's the one. I gotta bounce. Thanks for the good times, but I'm leaving. Then the question exists, is he going to Cersei to help protect her and save her? Or is he just saying that to Brienne because he's gonna go and end this once and for all and kill her? I thought that really was the best part and kind of led breadcrumbs into the next episode. But yeah, the Masande death was also necessary, mostly because Grey Worm is fired up. He is ready oh, to man. go. Yeah, I would say, just to piggyback off what you guys said a little bit, um, the, my favorite scene of the whole episode was when Tyrion, Jamie, and uh, Sir Ron, when he came to kill him and they kind of reached that agreement. Like I thought the dialogue was really good there. I thought the, the scheming was pretty cool there. Um, so I enjoyed that scene. And I had the same question for you, you know, is, is Jamie leaving to make things right by saying I've done all these terrible things and now he's going to, to right his wrongs or is he going to have Cersei's back? Like, I don't, I don't know where that falls in. I, I mean, I think they left that one a little open-ended. I think ultimately what could potentially happen, and this would be really cool, is that Jamie's going back because he feels like I need to make my house better. I need to bring my house's name back up and go meet up with Cersei. But then he's going to go back to King's Landing and see that Cersei is playing his child off as Euron's child and maybe lose it and maybe kill her. Who knows? If that's what they're playing here or something like that, then all of that storytelling, I think, was sort of worth it, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. And like people are getting really upset about the timeline and all of that, but there are still dragons in this show, and there are still dead people coming to life in this show. So, like, if we're going to nitpick on something, like, let's let's relax a little bit. And, like, people are talking about, like, the tactical, like, the battle thoughts. Like, why didn't Cersei just kill all the characters? Why didn't, you know, they see the boat? And, like, I'm with you, Steve. Like, they need to set the plot somehow. Do I think that the writers could have probably had a more logical or clever way to, to have that confrontation? Probably. And, you know, Game of Thrones has always been about the unexpected happening, and everyone expected, you know, Brienne and Jamie to get together. So that's kind of why I didn't appreciate that. And I think some of this season, you know, there's been some things that the public has wanted, and they've gotten it. And that's never really been the case with Game of Thrones. And so I'm hoping over these last, you know, couple episodes, there start to be some, you know, wow moments or twists and turns that people don't really see coming. Let's move on. The other main talking point out of this episode was Danny. So we need to do a temperature check. Where are we at on Daenerys Targaryen? We know the truth about Jon Snow. We know that he is the rightful heir and that he is, in fact, a Targaryen. What's his first name? Aegon Targaryen? He's Aegon Targaryen. Yes. And that Danny, who's wanted the throne her entire life, the guy she loves, is now her main roadblock quite the conflict and we're seeing shades of her being jealous and kind of trying to manipulate him into not revealing the truth to his family members so a lot of people are mad at danny so i need a temperature check from you guys where are you at on danny i'm probably going to be the different one here i think we just need to give danny a break i mean as you said michelle danny has heard basically for most of the obviously the last what few seasons of the show I would say six seasons of the show. She has wanted the Iron Throne. It has it is hers. She is all you know, all the titles that she has. She's gotten to now because she thinks that she's worthy of being the next leader, and uh, you know of the Seven Kingdoms. 
everything that Danny, I, I get it. Danny looked jealous in that episode. She 100% did. Let's look at this from a human perspective. Like, wouldn't you be a little bit jealous? Like, if you know, if you didn't bring your dragons and help anybody else out, you guys would all probably be dead. Like, you, Danny, like, yeah, we can, you know, we can, we can laud John for being brave and doing all these things, but John's made a lot of really stupid decisions over the course of this show. And I don't necessarily blame Danny for being jealous and wanting a little bit more credit for what happened there. And then the whole deal with, you know, her telling John, if we really want to be together, then you can't tell anyone who you really are. She's not wrong. First off, John obviously did tell his family, he told Sansa, Arya, and, you know, who knows where that story, where that plot is going. We didn't actually see the reactions to the characters and how they felt about, mm-hmm. about learning the news that they it wasn't, that John wasn't actually their, their half-brother. Sansa immediately goes and tells Tyrion, who immediately goes and tells Varys. Like, so Danny was 100% right, because as soon as this gets out, they're not going to be able to be together. So, and that's, and that's okay. Maybe John values sort of being noble and, and having the truth be out there over keeping this secret and actually being with Danny, and that's fine. But I just keep going back to this. Danny, if she just followed her instinct throughout most of the show, a lot of things would have been easy, easier for her. To this point in the show, if she had just literally burned the Red Keep with the dragons, she actually wouldn't have killed that many of the people in King's Landing, of, of just the common people. If you burn down the Red Keep, Cersei's dead, you sit on whatever's left of the Iron Throne, you can then potentially go fight the White Walkers up north, and everyone's happy in the end. So her advisors this entire time have really let her down. So ultimately, I just think Danny's getting a little too much shit from people of being, quote-unquote, the Mad Queen or being jealous or, or, or trying to manipulate John because I think all of those decisions I can understand and may potentially be correct. And it's important to note that she isn't wrong in saying they couldn't be together because she's his aunt. Yeah, but they don't care about that. And the, no, but the, the North the issue cares. Is, the North cares. The North cares. Exactly. The North cares. She doesn't care. And I, and John clearly did care a little bit because when he pulled away when they were when they were kind of making out. But she's 100% right. They can't be together if this news is, is made public. I'm actually with Steve on this one. Whoa. And, like, Whoa. watch. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of my uh, – <laughs> this episode, you know, even though I didn't like it, it kind of changed my perspective on some things. Like, all-time selfish move by her, like, talking to John and – I think her motive's more about taking the throne than it is, oh, I truly love him. Like, I think she might be piggybacking the love. Really, just she wants the throne, and she knows that if John is, you know, reveals who he really is, then that's a threat to the throne, more more so than their love. So I do think she's getting a bad rap right now. You know, they would not be where they're at without her, and people need to remember that. So I'm actually with pretty much everything Steve just said. Um, I think she is pissed leaving that episode, and I'm really excited to see what, you know, where it takes her over the mm-hmm. next two. Uh, I think that this whole season for her has kind of been this, it's been this comparison and this balance between is she becoming her father and, like, the Mad Queen like you talked about, or is she going to be the breaker of chains, the one who wanted to do things right? And I think you can see her being pulled in those two directions. So I think over these last two episodes, it's going to be about which one does she choose. Ultimately, I think John or her or both need to die and you know that will play itself out and, and it'll make the decision easier but when Varys and Tyrion were talking and they talked about John takes the throne I think they said well then what happens to Danny like wh- you know what does she do and I thought about it like if John were to take the throne and Danny's alive like she would revolt right like she would then revolt against John because she feels like she's the rightful heir and she deserves the throne so I thought that was a very interesting perspective to kind of look at it and something I really haven't thought about at all. The irony of Varys questioning Danny and her mental state, to, or whether or not she would be the best candidate to take over and rule the Seven Kingdoms, when she's done nothing but listen to her advisors, is actually really ironic. Varys is one of the people that's giving her advice, and so is Tyrion, and then they're sitting there questioning whether or not she's worthy of sitting on the Iron Throne because of the, of the decisions that her advisors have made. That's a fuck, fuck Varys. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> yes, you can, yeah. and noted. <laughs> Yeah, the bullshit, like, oh, I do this for the realm. Like, nah, dude, like, come on. Like, I just, I think you're hiding behind that. I, I think that's a cop-out. Then what else is he doing he, it I, for? What's his motive? He's my, he's my number one character that I want to die. Whoa. Varys on Tommy's list. Yeah. You two in this scenario are the Will Canes, and I'm about ready to put my Stephen A. Smith hat on because I couldn't disagree with you more. I think your take on Danny is absolutely ridiculous. It's deplorable. Whatever other adjectives Stephen A. would use in this. Danny is 
so power hungry. When I watched it through the first time, I couldn't stand her because I'm like, all this girl wants is power. I'm over it. She's saying I'm going to break the wheel, but she's the exact same. But then when I watched it through the second time, you kind of binge it. So in a short amount of time, I saw everything that she did endure and that she had done a lot of good things. So I kind of came around on her. But this episode just reinforced the feelings that I had about her the first time that I watched the show. Her whole stake in this is to say, I'm the rightful heir, and then the person that you love actually is the rightful heir genetically to the throne, and you want him to just bypass that? I mean, she is a number one overall draft pick hypocrite. Unbelievable that you would say, I've done all this, I'm the rightful heir, and that's how you want all of these people to battle for you, and then the actual rightful heir comes along, and you air quotes love him, and you're going to say, nah, nah, step aside, this is mine, bro? I don't think so, Danny. See, I just look at it like Danny. Danny wants <laughs> size for Danny me too. Lo- no, I don't because I just like, Danny wants the throne more than she loves John. I think that's pretty evident. Right, but and- she wants the throne yeah. because she feels like it's hers, but it's not hers. You can't. She can't even make the argument. But can for you cut her some slack? Her. Cut her some slack. For for years now, she has thought that she is the last, basically, Targaryen that can that can save her family's name and bring her house back to prominence. And then all of a sudden, you find out that you actually know. Cool, your your nephew actually has a better claim than you do. Like I think, like I think, I think it's fair to be a little upset. Like I don't know how you're supposed to handle that well, Michelle. Like how are you supposed to be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like everything that I planned for the last like few years, and I've you know done all these things and gone through all these atrocities. But like you know what, none of that really matters because this guy is actually the one that's going to take over the throne. Like that's that's I would be pissed too. Like I wouldn't handle that well. Yeah, it's like if you work your whole life for a goal and then you get to that goal and then it's like you know, there's some plot twist and then all of a sudden the goal isn't what you thought it was or it becomes less attainable than you thought. Like you would be hot if that happened. Sure. And I put in all this work for a but if you love someone, you're on the same team. And to use the football analogy, no. Tommy, if you're QB1 and you're making the drive down the field and then you get to the goal line and you have to hand the ball off to Saruti and he scores, you both win. If she loves John and she knows he's the rightful heir, she should be pumped for him and say, okay, let's talk about this. Can we co-rule? You don't really want to rule. I do. So why don't we tell everyone the truth? You can be my king and we can figure this out together. Compromise is how good relationships work. And I feel but like... Michelle- Danny doesn't your, want any of that. Your issue, like the, the issue, still stands though. That Danny is right about they can't just live happily ever after and rule together and love each other if John tells people who he is. Like, how do you? You can't get around that. Well, then they just have to love each other in secret, like Jamie and Cersei. They could get it on the low. <laughs> ah, I don't know if it's that easy. I don't know if it's that easy. Clearly, Clearly it's you not can. that easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people do talk. As Vera says, if more than however many people know, if more than six people know, it's not a secret, it's information. It's, no, it's a great point. And I, I, you know, I'm with, I'm sort of with uh, Tommy. I think I would like to see Varys die. I don't dis, I don't hate Varys as much, I think, as you do, but he's a prime character that has to have some sort of death for me. Can I say who I'm coming around on a little bit? Tell me. Well, yeah. Bran. Oh, so, Tommy. Like, I love Bran. No, yes, come to no. the good side. Not, <laughs> yes. What is not, this? Not in a way, not in a way where like I actually like the character, but he, I literally laugh out loud at some of the one-liners he says during the show. Like when he says, like, yes. I don't feel at all anymore or whatever he said, you know, and he's like, I don't feel much anymore at all. And he's he like, I live in the past. Says, like, yeah. Like all of these one-liners, like, I don't actually like, like him, but they're bringing, like, I'm laughing out loud while I watch the episode because they're <laughs> so ridiculous. He sits there with his monotone voice in that wooden chair and he just drops <laughs> these one-liners like he's like got all this knowledge and like I crack up. I crack up because I can't, I can't believe that like that's who he's become. Like it's like he has, he's got zero emotion, and he just drops these one-liners. And like the people he talks to has no fucking idea what he's talking about. Like he just that's drops the best these. Part. These people look at him like he's crazy. Brand's that weird guy now. I forgot Brand's weird. I love the Tyrion who's kind of drunk interactions with Brand because Tyrion's just like, all right, dude, whatever. <laughs> cool, dude. You, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think Grey Worm is going to kill a lot of people over the next two episodes. And then I actually think it would be like, I'd put him as my odds-on favorite to kill Cersei because I think it would be like big-time poetic justice for her to get killed by someone that was a slave. Um, Oh, yes. I like that. I guess maybe that's just hope that it happens, but 
he'll probably get close to killing her and then die, and someone else will kill her. But I, I think he's about to kill a lot of people. A couple of theories about the Cersei thing, like that, is interesting because you know you have obviously Arya going with the Hound, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people think that she's a candidate to sneak in there and kill Cersei. You obviously have the prophecy, or, or I'm sorry, Bran's vision of seeing. You know, dra- uh, the dragon, the, the one dragon fly over King's Landing and over the Red Keep. Is is that going to happen? Are they going to burn down the Red Keep and kill Cersei that way? Um, is Jamie going to kill Cersei? Like, there are so many interesting outcomes that that like I think we have a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah, a lot of players on the I board think, to take Cersei down. I don't think Grey Worm will kill him. I guess I just want him to. I think Grey Worm dies trying to kill her. I think Jamie dies trying to kill her or defending her, and I think Tyrion ends up killing her. Before we wrap this up, we need to update our Who Will Sit on the Iron Throne predictions. So, Tommy, we have two episodes left. Who's your pick? The person I want to sit on the Iron Throne has become, like, a very popular opinion, and that'd be Sansa. Because she's become such a popular opinion, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to say that Jon Snow is going to end up sitting on the throne. Jon Snow, interesting. Saruti? I'm sticking with my original one. Uh, I just I think that whatever happens... There's going to be a different sort of ruling power, and I think whether or not that's Danny burning the whole thing down or the North sort of splitting off and being its own thing and it, it, the Seven Kingdoms being separated, I just don't think there's going to be anyone that's going to be, hey, I'm going to sit on the Iron Throne and rule the Seven Kingdoms. I'm still feeling confident in my Tyrion pick. He's been involved in this in different ways, but for somebody that was such a big character, we haven't seen a major scene from him up until the end there where he confronted Cersei. I still think that Tyrion is a prime candidate to sit on the throne. I'm still waiting for Littlefinger to come back. Yeah, potentially. (laughs) But, you know, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, so two more weeks of this, you guys. But anyway, Tommy, thank you for taking time out of your Iowa trip to chat Thrones with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, Tommy, thanks for connecting with me on LinkedIn. (laughs) Nice. You know what's funny is I don't ever check LinkedIn, ever. And I looked at it today for whatever reason this morning at, like, 5 a.m., and the first request I have is, Tom Carroll and <laughs> I wanted I actually thought about endorsing like if there was like an emotion oh thing, my you know, god like, oh, you asshole have. and so I like looked at it but I couldn't find anything that would have worked and like I don't my LinkedIn still says I work at Northwestern I think and I haven't yep. worked there in probably five years <laughs> so I, I I truly never look at it and I saw it this morning for whatever reason and you popped up so I I'm glad we connected. Yeah, I don't know why it, you popped up in like my LinkedIn queue of like people you may know. Maybe that it's because your number's in my phone or something, and that's why it came happens up. when you search people's names. I think you just searched my name. <laughs> he was creeping on your profile but for yeah, sure. Dude, Tom, yeah, Tom, take it easy. Okay. Well, Signal hey, plays out. we're professionally connected now. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> You're professionally friends. <laughs> it's official now, Tommy. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Tommy, you're the best. We'll talk to you later. All right, see you guys. Well, Steve, before we get to reviews and we let you go, we do have breaking news. The baby's name has been revealed. Oh, no. I'm nervous. What is it? Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's baby is named Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. What? (laughs) Is Archie short for Archibald? Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Mountain Dash Windsor. What's Mountain Botten? Archie <laughs> is like a, first off, Archie is like a old man's name. So I, that's weird. I, I love far, Harrison. I wasn't that far off with, with Ricky, name. though. I mean, Archie. Ricky, it would be better. I think I'd, re- oh, that's a great question. Would I rather be named Richie or Archie? Ricky or Archie? Archie is just like, a, I think of Archie as just like an old dude, and that's okay. Or a comic um, book. But, I like Harrison. I don't know what you said after Harrison. That, that Mountain didn't make Botten any sense Windsor. To me. I don't have time, <laughs> yeah. like on the fly, to Google all, all of the logistics there. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason that they kept it so secret is because it's so terrible. I don't know. <laughs> They're embarrassed. Archie. They're like, oh, God. Feels like one of those things where they were forced to name him that because that that's not cute. What are the other kid? What what are uh, Kate and what's his name's kids' names? Do we know? Charlotte, George, and I forget their third one. All right, so George, they had to name him. George, I like Charlotte. Right? Charlotte's a cool name. Yeah. Okay, so those are okay names, and then we get Archie. <laughs> it's got to be short for Archibald. Is there any way that oh. he would be an Archduke at any point? Because if it be Archduke Archie, that would be actually pretty ah. cool. Archduke Archie. The other kid that William and Kate Middleton had is named Louis. Or Louis. Louis. I'm assuming okay, it's Louis. Prince Louis of Cambridge. 
I can mess with that, too. Um, All right, Steve. Then the last thing I have for you is we haven't gotten your reaction to Tom's emotional dump at the end of of our reviews in the last episode. It was honestly a cool side because I don't feel like you don't see that side from from specifically Tom. I mean, definitely not me and not you, Michelle. So it was, you know, it was cool to get a little bit emotional on the pod. Like, I think, you know, I'm sure Tom got made fun of by his friends or whoever was listening to yep. it because whenever people get emotional, like, it's like, oh, cool, dude, you cried. That's, that's lame. <laughs> but you know what, Tom? I respected it. I respected your emotion. And, I'm, you know, I feel the same way you do. I'm not going to cry about it. But, like, yeah, <laughs> it's a, a, a year worth of the podcast. It's been awesome. It's been awesome being with you guys and you know, being able to kind of connect every week and having fun. And I understand, Tom, why you got emotional. So, you know what? I'll give you a round of applause. Ah, that's actually surprising. I thought you were going to rip me for this, Serenity. No, dude, I get it. I'm not I'm not super emotional, but I understand why that would be emotional. Yeah, it just kind of all honestly, hit me like pr- a ton of bricks. I don't know. It wasn't yeah. like a premeditated, like, oh, I'm going to cry here. It just kind of happened. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, and I think... It's and it's it's you know it's something worth being proud of and I think we're all proud of it and you know some <laughs> you were maybe a little more proud than than we were but but hey I'll, I'm not gonna make fun of you for it I think it was good it's I a sensitive that. vulnerable just, side of Tom just, just yeah it's exactly the ladies love that kind of stuff yeah. first off <laughs> oh my gosh just for tell sure. more people about it LL Cool um, T yeah yeah ladies love Cool Tom. <laughs> Ladies love look, TC Fresh. Look, TC I mean, Fresh, boy. the whole emotional thing, obviously I'm really proud of the podcast, but a lot of it did have to do with being homesick and for some reason doing the pod for a year and talking about that and then talking about like, oh, doing the pod is a nice release and kind of escaping from thinking about being homesick. I don't know. That that was what it all kind of bundled mm-hmm. up into and came out as tears. So and look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry here. I promise. I was gonna say, are we that gonna have a repeat performance? What's going on here? Uh, I just want to clarify to people that you know I'm not a crazy person. No. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, you can't make this a habit. Like, you can't be the crier guy. But <laughs> once or twice, every once in a while, you know, it it, the, it is it, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So so every other pod, I'll cry. Sounds good. Cool. <laughs> Well, you know what time it is. If you haven't already, head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk, find it, click on it, subscribe to it, rate it, preferably five stars, and give it a review. Update on that. We are now the first pod that pops up when you search Small Talk on my phone. What? Yeah. Moving on up. So uh, that's another big win. That that's a That's a tear up moment for me, maybe. <laughs> Just like the Blues, we're knocking down our opponents, getting to the top. Boom. I love it. Boom. Well, <laughs> we obviously have some reviews about... You. Of course. From last week. I just expected that. (laughs) But they're great. They're great. How about this one? From Cool Nobody Cares. Title of the review. Thanks for the good times. Five stars. Thanks. Congrats on the one year. You guys do a great job of making the listener feel like part of the crew. Tom out here making people have feels. It's a great listen, and I hope you keep it going for many more years. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was nice. Yeah, that was great. Other than his name being cool, no one cares. I know that's a play on segments that we do, but was he saying he didn't care about me crying? I no, don't know. I think it's a nod to him saying to steal from Levitard that he gets the pod. Uh, he gets okay. the show. He gets the show. He gets the show. Uh, how about Terrible this one? poppy impression just then by me. Yeah, but. by both of us, really. <laughs> from JJJJ1111. <laughs> how many ones? Four. Okay. I don't know if I did that correctly. So, title of the review, Tommy Teardrops. Wow. That was just bound to happen. Five stars. Great pod, A-plus content, but keep it together, Freeze Pops. Jeez. Fair. Fair. I was a puddle. It was legit tears. Like, I thank God Tommy was in studio there and tagged me out there. That was bad. I would have I would have started, like, really crying there. So... You, yeah, I do. I need to rein it in. What do you mean you would have started really? You were really No, crying. but like really. Oh, you mean like sobbing? Yeah. Yeah. To where there was a point of no return. Yeah, yeah. It would have been bad. Like I would have had to stop the recording or turn my mic off or something. I don't know. It just, sometimes you just get hit. It's like when you start laughing in church mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. that funny, but you just keep laughing. Totally. It was like one of those things. But yeah, thank God Tommy Reese was my life raft there. My new LinkedIn partner, Tommy Reese. You connecting with Tommy Reese on LinkedIn <laughs> is the most you thing of all time. It's my guy, man. Love Tommy Reese. Uh, I I know you do, Tom. I know you do. Well, anyway, thank you to so many people who left us the great reviews. We are going to try and get through those as the weeks go on. There's just there's a lot of really great ones. And again, we said this last week. You obviously know how Tom feels, but. A year into this, we can't thank you enough for the support you've shown this podcast and Small Talk. We appreciate every single one of you. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much. You're my only friends in St. Louis. 
<laughs> and nationally, if you're listening from somewhere outside of St. Louis. Hell yeah. We love all of our listeners from all over the country and the world. We've gone international. We have. We have listeners in Australia. I know somebody listened to it in Colombia. I know a listener that listened to it in Canada. Was that an American that was on a trip with you listening in Canada? Yeah, but it still counts, right? Still across borders. I'm into it. <laughs> well, anyway, we will be back in action next week. I promise 10,000 frogs next week. Mm. We've had a lot going on here with the blues, and we've gotten so many emails. It's been tough to sift through them because we're trying to find a really strong contender for Crack Frog. And we're also trying to be a little journalistic about this. We're trying to confirm a few details on some stories before we just run willy-nilly with some stuff. Because things get serious on these dates, and we don't want to just be throwing stuff out there if it's not real. Like, we really want to make sure we're talking about legit stuff here. And deep tease, the law may be involved in some of these stories. That's a hell of a tease. And so we don't want to reveal stories and potentially get people in some sort of a jam. I can't handle a grand jury, Michelle. You'll cry (laughs) on the stand. We know the outcome. You'd be a terrible witness. You really would. Anyway, we will be back in action next week. But until then, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.